Welcome to the Practice Squad Sports Podcast. Without our superstar host today, Daniel Duranty. So me, I've stepped in, Max Richardson. I'm here joined with Jared. Jared, how are you? I'm wonderful and I'm glad I'm not hosting. I don't think I'm capable of such a task. With uh, NFL preseason right around the corner, starting tomorrow actually, we thought we'd get out a bit of a pod before then. What we've done is we've done a quick fly around all the NFL training camps um, throughout the late July, early August period. We've just had a look at one player that, that's really caught our eye and had a bit of an outstanding camp, um, whether that's a, a, a rookie pick from last year or someone who's kind of flown under the radar for a couple of years and really primed for a breakout year. We've then kind of got one overarching question that we have for the team. Um, but first, what we thought we'd do is a uh, f- few little tidbits of news. Um, 40, 49ers first round pick, Nick Bosa. Obviously went down and was carted off with what looked to be like an ankle injury. Um, the team's come back and just said it's a, a simple ankle sprain. They're going to be cautious with him and he's probably not going to play in the preseason. Um, Texans backup quarterback AJ McCarron injured his thumb during a joint practice with the Packers and is looking like he's going to miss the entire preseason. Um, this is a bit of an interesting one. I know we talked about it in our chat before. Oakland Raiders wide receiver Antonio Brown <laughs> foot problem that he has it's been ongoing um, that ha- was caused by frostbite um, from not using a cryotherapy machine properly. <laughs> um, bit of a weird one that one is. Uh, Buccaneers defensive tackle Vita Vea um, went down with a knee injury yesterday. Um, he's getting a second opinion on that after having an MRI and it's not really coming back clear. Um New York Giants wide receiver Sterling Shepard thinks he'll be ready for the regular season. Obviously out with that uh, broken finger. Um, and finally, the 49ers have activated running back Jarek McKinnon from the um, putt list. Um, so that's a bit of news. First of all, what we're going to do is we're going to hit the AFC. We're going to go from the standings uh, top last year all the way down to the bottom. Last year's first place in the AFC was the Kansas City Chiefs. Jared, who's really stood out for you from Kansas City this camp? Um, so for the Chiefs, I've, there's a few things going on with the Chiefs at the moment. Um, their star for me is rookie Juan Thornhill in the backfield. I actually got a direct quote. I was kind of trolling around on Twitter um, from Lewis Reddick. And he, the quote is, I'm going to repeat this name for you, Juan Thornhill from the safe, for safety from the Chiefs. The kid is making his mark immediately. Him and Tyron Matthew will be as good a tandem in the league in 2019 as anyone. So he was picked 63rd overall this year, um, and I assume he's going to start straight away in the backfield. So if he's getting you know raps like that already, they do need the help as well because they were um, nearly like last in the league um, in yardage on defense. They conceded 405 yards per game which is uh, kind of a good segue into the question I have for them because their defense was absolutely terrible. What 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 question do you have for the Kansas City Chiefs? Well, my question is, can they fix that defense? Because Patrick Mahomes, his arm essentially got them out of trouble most of last year. They honestly almost had the worst defense statistically in the league. Yeah, they won a lot of shootouts, didn't they? They won a lot of shootouts, high-scoring high games. Um, they brought in defensive line coach Brendan Daly from Bill Belichick's coaching wheel. And um, 
He uses a lot of stunts and disciplines to get production out of guys not necessarily as talented as others. Um, and also, Matt House takes over um, as linebacker coach um, after a college career. What do you What do you think about the swap that they made, losing D Ford to the 49ers, but they picked up Frank Clark or signing him in free agency? How do you think that swap's going to help? Or was it really necessary? Um, I'd probably say, for me, I slightly prefer Frank Clark as a pure pass rusher. And I mean, that was another thing when I was looking through the Kansas City um, team. They don't really have much production in terms in terms of takeaways and that, um, or sacks um, statistically. So, I mean, I think Frank Clark um, is a better pure pass rusher than D Ford. So I think they were looking for that kind of guy to get off the edge in the four three sets and um, really like get after the quarterback. All right. Well, moving on next or. Oh. Well, I, I'm sorry. In the AFC, I've done it. Done this um, running order that we've got off best record from last year. So the next team on my list wasn't actually the second ranked team, but they did have the second best record, and that was from the same division, the Los Angeles Chargers. Los Angeles Chargers. Jared, who has been the camp star for them? Um, not quite a camp star, but the name that's kind of coming out is Jerry Tillery. So their first round pick from this year, defensive tackle. Um, he hasn't really trained in camp except for the last two days. Um, he had a shoulder injury. He came straight in and took reps with the first team immediately, and he was putting up, um, putting on quite a show for him there. Um, and it was just a few little tidbits on him. He had an elite 91.5 overall grade um, on PFF, ranking fifth overall in pass rush productivity in his final season with Notre Dame. Um, and he's going to play, obviously, defensive tackle. They haven't had much um, penetration from the inside to support Bosa and Ingram. So I think he's going to start immediately based on what I'm hearing out of um, LA Chargers camp, and he'll give them some penetration through the middle. Um, obviously, Melvin Gordon hasn't reported yet. Are you comfortable running with Austin Eckler and Justin Jackson if you're the Chargers? Um, I think they're both serviceable running backs in the league, but when you know Melvin Gordon's there to use, it's kind of one of those situations where you'd much prefer to have Melvin Gordon. Um, and he's obviously asking for top tier, like Todd Gurley, running back money. I'm not really, I'm not really sure he's worth that, to be honest. Well, the problem is from your end is I know that you're of the opinion you're a bit of a bit of an. Old oh, school I book. think I think he's just uh, I think he's just a cut below that Gurley and Ezekiel Elliott. Um, Christian level. McCaffrey. <laughs> Christian yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, I don't know if he's worth what he's asking. Yeah, I mean, you, like you've you've always been of this opinion, as I was saying, is that running backs you can find yes, good yeah. running backs in abundance. They're one of those positions where, I mean, Melvin Gordon's obviously better than your regular starting running back, but I don't think I'd want, you know, fifteen plus million of my cap tied to him yeah. for a long period of time. That's the question is, is he worth kind of, if, if you've got another running back making three million, is he worth five times, is he five times that player of that replacement? I'm not sure. And the other issue is Phil Rivers is coming to the end of his career. So if he's got, if you've got Melvin Gordon tied on to big money um, and then you need to replace Phil Rivers in a year or two, you may have issues. You know, you don't, I just, I don't think running back's a good position to, you know, tie a lot of your cap to personally. Yeah. Right, well, we'll move on. Next next on my list I have is the, the uh, ever-reliable New England Patriots. Um, first of all, I'd just like to give a quick shout-out to probably our most loyal listener, Troy Connor. Easily our most loyal listener. <laughs> um, really does a good job, gives us great feedback. Um, so I thought I'd give him a quick shout-out before we talk about his team. He did help me. I'll uh, give you in on that, Jared. He did help me with this. So... He's pointed out undrafted rookie wide receiver Jacoby Myers has been a Tom Brady 
um, camp favourite, making special catches and, and really looking like a, a crisp route runner. Um, probably going to get a lot of opportunity this preseason with only three receivers from last year's team returning. Um, another one in that uh, receiver room is Maurice Harris, former of the Redskins. Another receiver with great special teams potential and we know how Bill Belichick loves those special teamers. So you could potentially see him fighting for some regular season snaps. Um, the question I have still... I know he just signed a new two-year extension, um, but father time is undefeated, I'm sorry to say. Um, I mean, last year we did see a bit of a drop-off from Tom Brady, um, but that was kind of countered with the fact that they had this new kind of style of running game. They really pounded it, especially in the postseason. Um, and, of course, they had that security blanket, blanket in Gronk. Um, now, the question is, is that Gronk's not there? Um Brady and Gronk is actually the highest ever rated um, quarterback receiver rating in the in the PFF era with a rating of 124.7. Um, and Brady's only got a uh, passer or PFF passer rating of 96. So there's like 26 points um, difference um, when he's tar- targeting other receivers. So, um, and I know... Gronk had the play of Super Bowl 53 and I've continually been burnt by saying Brady's um, going to slow down. But, I mean, is there something different now that Gronk's not here? Yeah, I think for me with Gronk is when when Tom felt pressure in the pocket, he always knew he could throw the ball towards Gronk. And I think Gronk as well kind of um, glossed, like helped cover the fact that the Patriots lacked in terms of star receivers. I mean, they had a lot of guys there that were really good at running routes, smart guys, system guys that were awesome at running their routes. Gym rats. Gym rats. Gym rats. Gym rats. That's the one. Um, and, but they always had the big play potential with Gronk and also the safety net of Gronk. And I've noticed mostly last season and two seasons ago as well, but you know, mostly last season, that Tom's started to not be as keen to step up in the pocket when it's collapsing and to take contact. So losing Gronk, um, I think will be a big deal for him because he doesn't have that safety outlet to just dump the ball to. Uh, but if they do work on with their running backs, they do have a good, reliable running back core now. If they can work on some flats and that kind of thing, getting some you know quick releases out for him if he feels pressure. And obviously if the line stays intact, I don't see any reason why he can't continue. But I think in his older age, if, they, if teams start to um, get some pressure onto Tom Brady, I think we may see him uh, decline. Yes, well... Um Another one, their first-round pick from last year, Nikhil Harry, also looks like a, a stud-wide receiver. Uh, moving on, Houston Texans last year had the record of 11-5. and, a f- 11 and five. Um, Just a quick note before we get into it, uh, their um, star pass rusher, Jadeveon Clowney, um, obviously playing this year on the franchise tag um, at about $16 million. He's expected to show up after the third preseason game. Um, and from all reports, he's in um, tip-top shape. Now, the player that I've been looking at who's done particularly well this camp is um, Justin Reed. their their safety pickup from last year. He had three picks last year, and that included a pick six, but I really thought that he really came on at the end of last year, and he's really put, in, put his best foot forward over this camp, um, and I think you're going to see him take another leap. And we talked about this before, um, especially with the loss of Tyron Matthew. Yep. So, yeah, so he needs to step up and become the kind of the guy in that Houston Texans secondary. But now Matthew's gone. He kind of, even in his second year, I feel as though he's got the kind of personality of the guy that will do that. 
and with he, he does have an eye for the ball, so I'm hoping he can take a step, and I think you'll see him become one of the premier safeties in the NFL. Yeah, now the question that I have about the Texans is um, when you look at their team, outside of um, Deshaun Watson and DeAndre Hopkins, um, there's not really that much that, that gets me excited. They did have an 11-5 record, year, uh, record last year, but, I mean, um, issues along the... Fl- um, Offensive line, Will Fuller coming back from an ACL. Kiki Kuti had a bit of a breakout last year, but he was injured towards the back end. They only have Lamar Miller after releasing um, Deontay Foreman this week. Um, what What's the go? Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, I think DeAndre Hopkins and Deshaun Watson can, you know, mask a lot of these issues, but they will get found out in games if DeAndre Hopkins, who is very very hard to you know to scheme for because he does put up just some ridiculous numbers and doesn't drop anything but um they will find themselves in a situation where they don't have that second outlet on their offense yeah well and currently their two um listed tight ends are jordan akins and jordan thomas have you heard of those <laughs> jared i'd say yes but then you know I'm no no disrespect to them but yeah that's the kind of um firepower they've got at tight end Moving on to the Baltimore Ravens. Now, I don't know about you, Jared, but this is my... I'm, I'm really liking this team. I'm, I really think this could be a sneaky kind of AFC Championship team. Um, and it may be early um, to compare him to to compare Miles Boykin to Michael Thomas, but <laughs> but the dude's 6'4", 220 and runs a 4'4". Um, third round pick out of Notre Dame. He's making waves. Um, deceptively, deceptively quick good body control, and can use his frame really well. Um, Hollywood Brown, their first-round pick, is still injured, and just a whole lot of kind of cast-offs that are really competing to snaps. Boykin's really kind of taken that to another level and, and elevated his game over the course of um, training camp, and I, I think he you can probably pencil him right now to be the week one starter. Um, he, he's got the physical profile of a number one receiver and really appears to be kind of adapting to the pro game quickly. Um, obviously, with the, the with, with the Ravens, the the question which I think will be for a lot of teams is is the quarterback position and Lamar Jackson and and how he continues to develop with his kind of um, not weird but I'll just say unique kind of playing style with his ability to run. I don't think we've quite seen a, a runner of his capability and and throwing since probably Mike Vick. Um, Cam Newton. <laughs> well, I mean, I'd. No, no disrespect to Cam Newton, but I don't think he's quite the. He's not as nimble. Yeah, and he's yeah. just not like oh, just quick and smart. Yeah. But I mean, now they they bought in um and Mark Ingram. I th- um, that's I love Mark, the Mark Ingram pickup because I can see them playing with um two tailbacks at times and running this triple read option, so to speak. Yeah. I really see them. Carolina did it a lot in that season where we went fifteen and one with um Cam Newton. They were running these read options with three, you know, with three options. And it was just disgusting to try and micromanage for on the defense. Not only that, they've got those two tight ends in in Mark Andrews and Nick Boyle that um, really, and uh, the other guy's name escapes me at the moment. But then you throw in that they took Hollywood Brown. um, Very tough division. I know that uh, obviously we've got another fellow podcaster who's all about his brownies. But... Um, Baltimore for me really kind of sneaky play. Oh, they made the playoffs last year, but ten and six, I think they could even improve on that. And then you consider the fact that on their defense they added Earl Thomas. Yeah, so I think they're going to be the Ravens notoriously are a tough defensive team, and they're always going to be a tough defensive team. 
And also on on the offensive side of the ball, still when you see them running these read options, the triple three read options, they've got all this speed now on the outside, so they can really stretch the field. So you can't you know um, load the box on a Lamar Jackson. So I think I'm in agreement with you, Max, in the fact that I think they're going to make the playoffs and they're probably going to increase the, you know their wins from ten from last season. Yes. Well. Right. Moving on. Indianapolis Colts, um, ten and six last year, made the playoffs. First of all. Um, their quarterback Andrew Luck has been sidelined throughout camp with a bit of a niggling calf injury um, it's just weird doesn't seem to be getting better he's kind of said that it hasn't been getting better so I think one to watch there um, the guy well the, the player that I've really thought has stood out well there's two of them actually they're kind of battling for one spot um, and that's for their third linebacker spot between Zaire Franklin and Bobby O'Kiriki Um they're really kind of height, weight, speed guys, and, and that's really what um, GM Chris Ballard's been preaching since he got there is these guys that are just physical specimens. Um, you consider the fact that they took Quentin Nelson at six and he's an absolute mauler. Um, their second-round pick, Darius Leonard, looked like a bit of a reach at times, but, you know, stud. stud yeah, I think he yeah, led really the lead in tackles. Um, yeah. Ridiculous. Did he win Defensive Rookie of the Year? Yeah, or was it? Yeah, so. or just pipped out Derwin James. Um, they've also oh. picked... I don't know. It was one of <laughs> well, them. We'll, we'll have to check that. They've also got a new guy this year, Danico Autry, um, looking good inside. And I'm really hoping to see a bit of um, bit of something out of their corner rookie, uh, Rocky Sin. I was really high on him coming out of the draft. Once again, another big height, weight, speed guy. Um, yeah, what's your question you have for the Colts, Jared? Or It was Darius Leonard, by the way. Just to clear <laughs> it up, Darius Leonard did win rookie uh, defensive rookie of the year. I checked. Um, and my question would be Andrew Luck, just his durability, because everything that team does revolves around his health. If Andrew Luck's healthy, I don't see any reason why Indianapolis can't make a Super Bowl run. I think they've gotten better where they need to. Their line has gone from nearly the worst in the league to the best in the league, mo- mostly uh, credited to Nelson, as you mentioned. Um, but if Andrew Luck can stay healthy, they've added some good weapons around him. Their defense has become very, very strong, led by Darius Leonard in the middle there. And I, I don't see any reason why if Andrew Luck isn't healthy, they can't make a, a Super Bowl. Yeah, the question I have is this. I think they just might be another year off. Just another year of kind of development. Get get another NFL season into those kind of first and second year players. But, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if they're thereabouts um, in January. Moving on to the teams that missed the playoffs last year. Um, the first team that's on the list that had a 9-6-1 record last year was the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, obviously lost... Antonio Brown. I don't know whether you could say they lost Le'Veon Bell considering he didn't play for them <laughs> last year. Um, He's not contracted. And I think, that's, um, intru- I think that's really kind of crucial um, that they only really lost Brown. They played the whole year last year without Le'Veon Bell. So it's a bit kind of immature to say that they lost both of those players. Um, the camp star that's really stood out for me, um, he was a first-round pick last year, um, but sometimes is in, in uh, his brother's shadow. Terrell Edmonds... Um, Showed glimpses last year and uh, and played in over 91% of snaps. So, obviously, he was on the field a lot. He's only 21 still, and he's just been making plays. Um, I was re- When I was reading, and Jared really doesn't believe me, and I'm not really sure if I believe it as well, but it's been reported, and he's reported, that he's got a body fat percentage of 2.1%. I, don't, <laughs> I was telling you, I don't think that's possible. I mean, like, 
it is, but like it isn't. It, like, like pro bodybuilders don't even get the two percent. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, elsewhere, undrafted rookie guard Fred Johnson has been playing well, um, and defensive tackle Javon Hargrave has been continuing his rise um, to be a household interior D line guy. Um, the question for me, or not the question, but the kind of comment that I have about the Pittsburgh Steelers is: I think they've got the best offensive and defensive line combo in the league Mm -hmm. and for me that's where you win football games you win it in the trenches um i'm not too worried about them losing antonio brown because they have a history of drafting developing receivers jared these are a couple of the um, receivers that the pittsburgh steelers have drafted antonio brown emmanuel sanders martavius bryant juju smith schuster mike wallace i mean they have a knack (laughs) and i think as well as that the addition of devin bush in the middle of their linebacking corps he is going to be a star. He's got everything you want from a line, middle linebacker. He essentially replaces Ryan Shazier, who they haven't had a ready-made replacement for since he left. And they, they really need... They're kind of one of those teams I look at more than others that need that coast-to-coast linebacker that can do it all um, to really make their defense the identity that they want it to be. Yeah. Um, what do you think their ceiling is? I, I think it could be the Super Bowl, sneakily. Okay. Yeah, I think they're that good. Really, I'm not sure. I definitely think they're a playoff team if they if everything. I don't. I don't say this to make myself to not put myself out there, but I think if everything clicks, they're definitely a, a playoff team. Not sure how well it'll click. I can see them potentially pushing for the Super Bowl if everything does work well and Ben doesn't get injured or <laughs> roll over or something, because um, he looks a bit frail at times, a big guy. So, but I do think they're a playoff team. Uh, I could see in in certain s- scenarios them not making the playoffs if they have a few injuries. Like most, like most teams, obviously, if they have a few injuries, they might knock the playoffs. But it's Pittsburgh, I'm on the fence about yeah. still at the moment. All right, moving on. Next team in the AFC, nine and seven record last year. Tennessee Titans, um, bit of just a middle of the road team, I think, last year. But I think with their development of a couple of their key guys, uh, best safety in the league. Kevin Bayard. <laughs> uh, open that one up. Actually, um, can we, before we move on, I just want to plug in a quick poll there. Who, yeah, please get at us. Get anyone that listens to this. I hope someone's listening. Who do you think the best safety in the league is? I'm of the opinion that it's Jamal Adams. I think he will be. I'm just not sure if he's there right yet. Kevin Bayard just does everything exceptionally well. Anyway. Uh, can't start. Couple that I've got. Jayon Brown, middle linebacker. Um, been making plays. Look, athletic, sideline to sideline. Can stay on the field for all three downs. Um, can cover those tight ends, make plays in the backfield. Um, another guy, undrafted rookie receiver, Khalif Raymond. Uh, slot receiver, continues to, to make plays. Um, but the question that I have, and I keep coming back to it, is, is the quarterback. Um, Marcus Mariota. He's a really kind of divisive figure in NFL circles. I think you either kind of you're right behind him or you're not. Um, I mean, he just continued to have those flashes, but he always has those low points as well. Um, What do you think, Jared? Yeah, I think think the Titans have one of the better offensive lines as well. So with um, Conklin and friends along the line there, Um, Mariota is one of those ones where it's kind of funny because when we get to a team later on in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, those two quarterbacks taken one and two, Mariota and Winston, it was pretty much, we'll take your pick, they're both going to be superstars, and now here we are in their contract year, well, in Winston's contract year, and they're both kind of, are they our franchise guy? And 
I kind of agree with your sentiment there on Mariota and the fact that some people love him and some people don't don't like him. But I think he's immensely talented, and I think um, if you put uh, some good pieces around him, because I don't think their receivers have been of the highest quality in the last few years, uh, and their their playbook I haven't mm. really liked lately yeah. either. Yeah, Corey Davis, their first round pick, fifth overall, hasn't really played up to expectations. So yeah, hopefully he can yeah. get back to somewhere so, to that level. So I think the talent's definitely there with Mariota, but there's a few circumstances um, not completely in his control that go against him at times mm. in Tennessee. But I, I definitely think he is a franchise quarterback yeah. in the right situation. And I mean, if, if Andrews Luck's not 100% healthy, then that division's completely wide open. I mean, Jacksonville had massive turnover and they've got a new quarterback. Texans, well, we just talked about that we weren't so sure about them. So potentially they've got the chance to, to win that division. Yeah, this is one of those divisions where there's not that one team that you kind of earmark to win that division on a regular basis. At the moment, anyway, these four teams are all on their day equally as good as each other. So I, I kind of like those divisions where you don't really know how it's going to play out because you've got kind of four comparative teams where it could go either way. So th- that division's wide open. All right, moving on. Next team with a record last year of 7, 8, and 1. Last year's Hard Knocks team, um, fellow practice squad sports supporter, oh, sorry, Rory Happ's team, Cleveland Browns. Arguably the hype team, I'd, I'd say, of the NFL now, um, getting a lot of attention. I'm not sure whether that's a good thing, especially with some of the characters that they have on their team. Um, but their camp kind of star for me has been Mac Wilson um, linebacker didn't really get the best of run during his time at Alabama injuries kind of cost him playing time and with their program it's so hard to stay at the top with so many kind of top level recruits coming in um, perhaps that's why he slid to the fifth round him and fellow rookie linebacker Sione Tucky 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 great name um, they've been joined at the hip since they were drafted this year and, and have been both been making plays in camp Wilson's got good speed, um, change of direction and, and athleticism that, that may see him win, win some snaps this year. Elsewhere, um, cornerback Greedy Williams, who fell significantly in the draft, has, has also been a regular standout making plays. Um, the, the kind of knock on him coming out in the draft was that he didn't like to make contact, he didn't really like to tackle. And from what Freddie Kitchens has been saying is that um, he's been kind of he has been tackling. Well, that's what I was... I was actually talking to Rory about this today. He was messaging me. We were messaging, I think, about something unrelated. Uh, and then we were, we actually ended up discussing the we were doing this pod tonight and we started talking about the Browns. And he said that he was really excited for Greedy Williams. And pretty much echoing your exact sentiment there, I said he's phenomenal in coverage, highlight real plays. But he does have problems on the corner there. When we get running backs, turning downhill, he tends to avoid contact. And I watched a fair bit of his tape because the Panthers were interested in him. Um, in this draft but yeah that was definitely a knock on him so I think if he can I don't know if it's an attitude thing I'm not really sure but if he can get that sorted he'll probably turn out to be a star cornerback yeah Um, the question that I have for this season um, is the offensive line with Greg Robinson at left tackle good enough to to compete Um, and they've got the top line talent in Odell and Baker um, Denzel Ward Miles Garrett um, but do they have the kind of depth and experience to kind of grind out a, an NFL season? Do they have those kind of really key role players that you really need, those kind of fifth and sixth um, defensive line players, those kind of swing tackles and those those um, running backs that really kind of get you through the season? 
Also, it appears that um, Rashad Higgins has been the choice for the team's third receiver in 11 personnel. Um, really kind of disappointing not to see Antonio Callaway in there. I mean, he was kind of really touted to be this kind of freak talent that had some off-field issues, but obviously he had kind of still hasn't got it together. I mean, he flashed a lot last year, but it's just, yeah, disappointing to see him not in that. Yeah, I think it's kind of funny how the Browns have gone from completely irrelevant and just a joke to everyone within... 24 months have turned it around and now people are saying do they have too many personalities in the locker room do they have too much talent and not enough depth i do think they're quite top heavy in their roster so uh if you see a few injuries they are going to really be exposed and i also think the other interesting dynamic is going to be how they handle all these personalities in the same place because football it, there's a lot of you know there's a lot of players on a roster 53 we were talking about this before and uh, trying to micromanage 53 men with people like Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry who are also best friends in your locker room mm. Baker Mayfield who's a character as well uh, if they can if they can get everyone on the same wavelength I think they can make noise but it's going to be a challenge I think trying to get you know a good morale in the yeah especially group. when you have a, a rookie head coach as well is it absolutely yeah. I mean Freddie Kitchen's shown that he's kind of got that personality to, to take control but I mean that's a, it's a complete another question to whether he can actually do it um, anyway moving on Probably a team I think you'll see slide down um, the rankings this year. Miami Dolphins, they had a record last year of 7-9-1. They kind of look like they're doing a bit of a tank job um, or uh, whatever you call it. Um, the player that's kind of stand stood out for me, um, running back Kalen Balage continues to push Kenyon Drake for the starting job. Last year, Drake kind of split carries with um, Frank Gore and you and you're hoping, or if you're a Dolphins fan, you're hoping that kind of Drake was just going to take over it and kind of push um, Gore to the, the back burner. But that really didn't happen. And now you're seeing in camp this year that uh, Kalen Balage is kind of splitting reps with the first team. Um, seems to be the offensive coordinator, Chad O'Shea's choice. Um, and another camp standout has been uh, undrafted rookie receiver Preston Williams. Um I mean, the question is, and it was reported earlier in this week, that Ryan Fitzpatrick is leading the quarterback battle um, over newly acquired Josh Rosen. Um, so you'll probably see Fitzpatrick start. But undoubtedly, the Dolphins are going to want to see what they got. I mean, they gave up a second-round pick. They're going to want want to see what they've got in Josh Rosen. So so when when that change comes, I guess, is um, will determine their season. For me personally, I think Josh Rosen is immensely talented. Um, there are some questions about whether he loves the game as much and whether he wants to, to put in the time and effort, but I think he can make all the throws. He's got this kind of intuition about being a quarterback and this kind of cerebralness that, that really makes him potentially special. Jared? Yeah, well, I my issues with Josh Rosen coming out were definitely character-related. I mean, you can obviously see that he's talented, so... He's definitely, I think, worth a stab there. The Dolphins are in a precarious situation. Tannehill injured on and off frequently. Um, I reckon he was worth the risk on the, you know, trading for the trading for him. The other thing as well I wanted to mention about the Dolphins is I definitely think they'll regress because they were four and two to start the season last year, and that was off a few of those ridiculous games that Ryan Fitz, Fitzpatrick had. Yeah. So that, that that their record was, I think, a little bit skewed because then they ended up. What did they end up going? They ended up winning three games, losing seven, yep. and drawing one. Hey, shout out Gronk for missing that tackle on that that uh, last second ladder. Yeah, I still, I still don't quite understand why they had Gronk playing uh, <laughs> free safety, free yeah. safety in the back there. But yeah, I think the Dolphins are in a really quite a tough spot at the moment. If they can get Josh Rosen to become the star quarterback, I'm 
not sure, but I think they're going. You're going to see them being one of the lower teams in the in the around the league this year. All right, moving on. Uh, mile high team, Denver Broncos, six and ten last year. Jared, what's been happening at Broncos camp? Well, uh, the camp star is Justin Simmons, their free safety. Um, he's been a ball hawk for the entirety of their camp. Um, he's been making intercepts from coast to coast on the field. And I've been kind of scrolling through a few of the beat reporters there in Denver, and everyone is talking about Justin Simmons. Um, and that kind of segues into a thing I wanted to bring up about my, my questions for the Broncos this season, and that's um, their defense under Vic Fangio. So they had Vance Joseph in for two seasons. They had 11-21 record. But they've been appointed a 20-year defensive coordinator as Vic Fangio and their head coach. Um, and he was a, the defensive coordinator for the Bears for the last four years. And last season, the Bears had 36 team turnovers forced on defense, 27 interceptions. Phenomenal. Yep. Um, And my question with that is, can he, with his defensive mind, use Simmons? Can he use Chubb? Can he use Von Miller? Can he use Harris? Can he use them them to turn them back into that defensive identity that won a Super Bowl 50? Yeah, not only that... um Vic Fangio brought over Bryce Callahan, um, kind of nickel slot corner. Um, yeah, I think that defense is absolutely stacked and and ready for a kind of a breakout year or back to what they, back to what they were. I know Rory, <laughs> I'm sorry, Jared disagrees, but I think um, Von Miller is the best pass rusher, <laughs> pure pass rusher in the NFL. Um, the question though that I have is that um, you saw Drew Locke in that um, Hall of Fame game. He looked. Oh, he, <laughs> and I mean, uh, Vic Fangio came out and said that he looks like a a, a a pitcher who just doesn't know how to pitch, and it was kind of really um, not disappointing, but alarming to see how kind of flustered he looked. I think a lot of that would have had to do with the fact that he's never played in a pro pro system yeah. before, um, but he did kind of look like a deer in the headlights out there, and that that was also another thing I had scribbled down here for the Broncos is Joe Flacco. Um, coming in, <laughs> my Mr. Joe Flacco coming in on there uh, in the quarterback room there, and I think what that for me does is kind of says to me that they want a reliable arm that's not going to turn the ball over and that is going to you know play to this yeah. game correctly. Let their defense win. Let games. their defense win them games. So I don't think I think a quote from Fangio I pulled was that he wants precision on the offensive side of the ball. He wants good blocking, good routes, correct reads, and the right lanes. And he wants that to complement a tough, structured defense. So I think the direction the Broncos are going in is very, very evident. I think they have an abundance of talent on the defensive side of the ball. And with Vic Fangio there, after you know getting thirty-six turnovers, that's a, that's over two. That's just over two yeah. per game for the entire of last season. And it's, he had Khalil Mack, so he's pretty much essentially swapping Khalil Mack out, and he's got Von Miller. Mm. So it'll be very interesting to see what kind of exotic packages, blitz packages, they come up with there. And I think I have them penciled down as a smoky to make the playoffs. Wow, wow. Yeah. I'm not sure they're quite there yet, but yeah, I, I could potentially say that. Just not sure their offenses. I, I think I think it'll be it'll be a wild card if they do make the playoffs, and it'll be on the back of their defense. Yeah. I think they might maybe need another year just to have another year in his system, but I think definitely they'll push. And they're going to be very difficult to play, especially in Denver. Yeah, so I, I can see them making the playoffs. All right, moving on. Cincinnati Bengals last year six and ten. Um, the player that that I've been really kind of excited to, or not excited but that I've been surprised to see is um, Jermaine Pratt uh, linebacker he's kind of um, stepped into the role that Vontae's perfect stood out of um, very kind of controversial character perfect is 
Um, although Jermaine Pratt's been mentioned in probably nearly every camp report over the past week. Um, he might not start straight away, um, but he already has taken over play calling duties for the second team um, and probably will push Jordan Evans for, for um, snaps in the preseason and potentially in the regular season. Elsewhere, we saw AJ Green go down with that foot injury and um, needed surgery. So the other group to watch is the receiver group. Um, they to, to obviously to start next to Tyler Boyd. They've got John Ross, their first round pick from a couple of years ago, who still hasn't really popped yet. Hopefully for them, um, they can get that explosive 4-2 speed or the, the bloody combine breaking speed from four him. 4 it was. Yeah. <laughs> That's one of my favourite moments. Um, Steve Smith saying, he ran a 4-2 and he limped. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I think, just on John Ross quickly, while it sparks in my mind, is I think his 40 time boosted his draft yes, stock yeah. tremendously yeah. because he's undersized and he's shown no real ability to make catches when the ball's come his way and also on the receiver corps Tyler Boyd I think plays much better as a second receiver playing that Z receiver so on the on the two two receiver set on the two receiver side set with AJ Green taking majority over on the X side I think Tyler Boyd can he take the step up well if AJ Green is out for a substantial amount of time with that injury mm-hmm. I'm not too sure, but I think they have a good tandem there if both healthy. I'm just not sure if Tyler Boyd is a true wide receiver one at this point. Yeah, and a couple of other guys making plays in the camp um, in that receiver room is Alex Erickson and Josh Malone. Now, the question for me for Cincinnati, um, they pulled the trigger and got rid of Marvin Lewis, who was the kind of the head honcho of of mediocrity. I mean, he was there for 18 years. (laughs) Ridiculous. And they've gone from one end of the scale... And they've gone to the complete other end. And they've, dr- and they've got Zach Taylor in, um, Rams quarterback coach, who's had extremely limited kind of NFL exposure when we think about kind of these um, NFL coaches. You talked about before, Vic Fangio's had, what, 20... He's been a 20-year <laughs> defensive... Coordinator. Been, he was a Panthers defensive coordinator in the mid-90s. Yeah, I mean, and then you talk about Zach, Ta- Zach Taylor. So we've, they've gone from one end to the other. They've also got a new defensive coordinator in Lou Anarumo. Um and the, he's actually turning around the worst ranked, like total ranked defense in the NFL. They gave up 440 yards, total yards, only, yards last year. That's 30 more per game than the <laughs> um, And they, they already have lost their first round pick from this year, Jonah Williams, who's yeah, done for the year. That's really sad. Um, the, the thing, I think there's a fad going on at the moment with those young, hip coaches with those exotic playbooks. I keep using that word exotic, um, but all those young coaches do like... Kyle Shanahan, I think, kind of started that movement when he left the Falcons and went to the 49ers. Uh, obviously, it was probably going on before that, but I think he was the first notable one to really start that movement. Now you see um, Sean McVay get a gig uh, at the Rams and now here um, in Cincinnati. So I think uh, there is a trend going towards these new age, new era coaches with a kind of more modern look on the game. Um, and I think the game is kind of evolving into that way where you need to... You need to do more than your basics correct and have those old hard-nosed guys, you know, leading the men around. And I think that definitely, yeah, there is a trend towards those new young guys. Right, so moving on. Um, Buffalo Bills. Arguably, I think, probably the best fan base, or the craziest fan base, um, Bills Mafia. Because they support <laughs> the Buffalo Bills. Because <laughs> no, you always see them, they're jumping through tables at tailgate, <laughs> they're, they're sculling beers, they're shotgunning beers, doing crazy stuff in the cold weather, shirts off. Um, well, I mean, <laughs> what, that's probably what you got to do when your team has, has, has uh, been that mediocre. <laughs> what else is there to do in Buffalo yeah. that time of year? Um, now, a bit of a different one for the camp star. Uh, camp star, I think Josh Allen. 
um, has been really um, developing nicely over the summer, heading into his second year. And what they've done is they've really kind of surrounded him and said, "Look, we're we're all in here. We've added you. We've given you Cole Beasley. We've given you a, a kind of steady running back in Frank Gore." Um, so that's kind of where I'm at. Um, he's got the arm. I mean, the question is, is that does he have the anticipation to be able to throw with anticipation, to be able to throw receivers open um, is the question. You've already They already lost the Adrian Waddle, who was their um, right tackle. So their f- uh, second round pick from this year, Cody Ford's probably going to have to start right away. Um, Devin Singletree, Singletary, their, their rookie running back, um, is getting some stats with starters. So potentially, I think you could see TJ Yeldon, who they just signed this year. I think you could see him get cut um, straight away, just as a as a casualty. Um, and another one to watch: Tommy uh, rookie tight end Tommy Sweeney has been making plays when given the opportunities. Yeah, my takeaway from the Bills training camp is I think this would be my take: is I think Devin Singletary will be starting pretty much nearly right away. Over shady, just about. Yep. I think he's going to... That's my one of my takes for this week. I think he's going to start. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. I put it out on the Instagram before um, about <laughs> what crazy NFL take, and he's just said that rookie running back Devin Singletary will start over Shady McCoy. I, I do want to... I'm going to write that there. down. Write it down. Put it down. I'll, time stamp. I'll, I'll initial it for you. He, If you look at... Have you seen his <laughs> college numbers? Yes, yeah. He was playing he was playing in a pretty measly conference conference. Um, but let's look at some of his numbers. In three years, he had seven hundred plays from scrimmage with four thousand seven hundred <laughs> scrimmage yards and an average of six point one per possession and sixty seven touchdowns. Mm. Yeah. And um, he's also he's small is the issue. Yeah. He's five foot seven, ninety two kilos. So he's a small guy. Yeah. But um he might have a similar kind of trajectory to Philip Lindsay, and I think he's going to be one of the Smokies. He'd be a late-round pickup in fantasy for anyone out there that wants to listen to the guru fantasy. Stay tuned for the uh, fantasy extravaganza, though, folks. We'll probably run that one just before the start of the regular season. Uh, any other Bills comments? Um, I think they're going to be pretty bad, if I'm going <laughs> to be honest. I don't think that Not a lot excites me about the Bills. Um, I think, yeah, you might see glimpses from uh, Josh Allen, but I, I think they're probably going to be around the six to ten mark, six and ten mark again, probably plus or minus a game, most likely minus. Um, yeah, I, I don't really see much for them in terms of success this year. Yeah, right. Well, moving on, um, only three left in the American Football Conference. Um, starting off with the Jacksonville Jaguars, record last year of five and eleven. Um, I mean, they've they've been penciled in kind of the last couple of years. Just haven't got over the hump yet, probably due to quarterback play. The camp star, though, for me, has been Quincy Williams. Um, his brother actually is the brother of Quinn and Williams, yep. um, New York Jets um, first round pick this year. Quincy Williams is the linebacker, probably going to step straight into that Telvin Smith spot, um, third round pick this year, and has has really been playing well. Another one, I know he's a first round pick, but Josh Allen has been showing. Um, some extremely good um, kind of athleticism, speed and, and good hands and, and his bend around the edge. So those are the two that I've kind of thought of. The question that I have is that is, once again, got to do with the quarterback. Always does. Um, Nick, Nick Foles that they've brought in. I mean, 
I, I've seen the best and the worst of Nick Foles as an Eagles supporter. Um, I think for him was the reason he was so successful was because of he ha- he played with this freedom, but it was also because of the environment and and the kind of the skill position players that he had around him. And I'm just not quite sure that um, he's the type of quarterback that can make those skill position players better. Um, and when I look at the the, the Jaguars roster, there's not really much that that gets me excited in the sk- offensive skill positions. Yeah, I mean, well, they do have Leonard Fournette, who is, I think, kind of, he's quite one-dimensional, really, isn't he? He's just a battering ram um, and also has durability questions. So I kind of do echo the same sentiment again in regards to Nick Foles. Is can he, yeah, in Philadelphia, I think he was kind of out there with the gunslinging mentality. He didn't really have, well, he did have a care, obviously, but he wasn't really too, um, you know, too hard on himself. And he was kind of out there just throwing the rock around. But now in Jacksonville, it's essentially his offense there. Um, can he take that step not that step but can he can he lead an offense and can he as max said make players better around him is the question and i'm, I'm not sure either but the, their defense is stacked i think they have a really good defense they're very quick they're young and they have uh once again just a plug to our favorite listener they have your favorite player jalen ramsey on their team so anything's possible with jalen <laughs> dude that guy's shut down corner I'm not, shut I down I corner lock down <laughs> corner um, Better right. than Stephen Gilmore, definitely. <laughs> nah, nah. Stephen Gilmore's first team all pro. <laughs> Don't disrespect him. Um, la- second, lastly, New York Jets. Um, the player that I've really thought has stood out. I know <laughs> this guy can't seem to stay out of trouble, but tight end Chris Herndon um, had a DUI last year, um, and now he's got a four-game PED suspension. Um, but he's <laughs> he's just shown really kind of great upside and great athleticism from the tight end position. Um, going to get a lot of opportunity, I think, to flourish in Adam Gase's system, um, especially now that they've added a few more weapons. Um, Sam Darnold probably looks primed to take that next step. Um, Gase talked about that he looks stronger, got a stronger arm, can throw it further. Um, and, I mean, they really bolstered that offense. The offense this year added um, Keekly Osemele, um left guard. Obviously, Le'Veon Bell, one of the marquee free agents this year, and Jamison Crowder from the slot. A um, couple of notable additions. Um, the question that I have um, stems around the coaches and, and kind of the, the front office is that their new general manager, Joe Douglas, was brought in after um, the hiring of Adam Gase and defensive coordinator Greg Williams. So, I mean, we have seen that trend before is that when GMs come in, they want to kind of clear house and bring their own guys in. So when are we going to potentially see that from Joe Douglas? And also that relationship between Adam Gase and Greg Williams um, particularly with that kind of macho mentality that Greg Williams has. Um, and, yeah, like Williams can get production out of his guys, but sometimes it, it comes at the expense of his relationship with the head coach, which you saw last year in Cleveland with him and um, um, Hugh Jackson. Yeah, any Jets yeah, thoughts? Well, my thoughts were surrounding Adam Gase, really, because he was uh in miami wasn't necessarily impressive as a head coach in my opinion uh he's got a career record of you know 23 and 26 as a head coach he's made one postseason appearance as a head coach and he lost so my questions also are around their um around their coaching because they have improved their roster substantially i think uh and i definitely think they're going to win more than four games that they won last year but i'm just not sure if that currently in an environment conducive to taking them all the way um and i think that mainly comes back to the coaching and the yeah the front office situation at the moment yeah right and rounding out the afc this year this year's hard knocks team the oakland raiders 
Yeah, so I had a little bit on the Raiders. Um, their camp star for me has been Josh Jacobs. I know that's a bit of a cliche one considering it was their, you know, their first round pick. Um, but he's a running back who I think he's a really good shout and f- from offbeat reporters there in Oakland as well to win Offensive Rookie of the Year. I think not necessarily due to being the most talented offensive player drafted or anything by, you know, anything of, of that stretch, but it's mainly due to the situation. He's going to get a lot of carries. He's behind three all-pro linemen, so they've got a really good line for him there. And they've got really no choice but to give him the ball and get back to basics. So I think he's going to be seeing a lot of touches. And it's looking as though, you know, considering reporters around their team are saying the same thing, that he's going to be an immediate impact on that roster. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's just so many um, personalities in that in that locker room. I mean, it starts at the top with, with um, John Gruden and then you've got Antonio Brown. Not to mention they have Vontaze Perfect. Um, yeah. So that's kind of another crazy, crazy guy to add into that locker room. Um, I think they're going to be a lot better than expected, Oakland Raiders. I think they've added a lot of talent. Um, I know there was a bit of talk that it was a reach to take Clinton Farrell at four, but I mean, if he's your guy and he's plays well, then then there's, you can't argue with it. Um, Josh Jacobs, yeah, as you said, looks looks primed to be potentially a, a rookie of the year type player. Yeah, definitely. And my main question with them is actually John Gruden as a head coach. I mean, there a lot of times last year, I don't know why I subjected myself to watching Raiders games. I think it's just, you know, my love for the sport will overcome all the atrocious football on display at times from some of the worst of teams. But he wasn't really that impressive to me last year. He seemed a bit out of touch with, like I said, he's a bit out of touch with the uh, the, the the trends at the moment, I suppose, or how to you know scheme in the modern day game because he hasn't been a head coach since he was with Tampa um, in two thousand and two, I believe. Um, he replaced um, Tony Dungy, so he pretty much inherited that team and did win a Super Bowl with him. But he, he didn't construct that team and he didn't you know do all the or lay the groundwork and um, the foundations for that Super Bowl. So for me I I have questions about whether John Gruden they've given him a 10 year 100 million dollar contract whether his uh, coaching abilities or coaching philosophies will rub off on a team in the right way in the modern game. Um, and I just yeah I, I really I'm not sure what they were in the, in the initial instance were thinking about giving him 10 year 100 million to start with really. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that's going to wrap up our AFC um, portion of the the podcast. What I think we'll do is I think we're going to end the end the pod here, and we're going to start another pod for the the NFC portion just to just to break it up in your streams. So, on behalf of myself and Jared, um, thanks for listening to our AFC, and make sure to stay tuned for the NFC portion. Thank you.